0: Colorado Springs is a vibrant community full of amazing people, from business and entrepreneurship to arts and culture. It's truly the people of Colorado Springs that make this community so valuable. These are their stories. This is the Thrive for the Cause podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. John Stenberg. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. If you think back to the time when you just got out of college, if you went to college, maybe high school, maybe trade school, and you stepped foot into the real world, I think a lot of us kind of had this moment where we thought, what do I do now? You know, I, I expected that I'd be prepared through this process of education to contribute in a meaningful way in the real world. And there's a little bit of a disconnect between education and uh, the the professional workforce, so Brent Sapati is someone who has really identified the pain points making that transition for young professionals, and a lot of what we talk about on today's episode are some of the things that he's noticed in uh, working with his peers and young professionals that are in that transitional phase, maybe toward the end of their college education, and he has a lot of really good advice based on his experience. So if you fall into that category, I think it'd be really helpful to pay close attention to uh, Brent sharing his experience because you're going to find in there a lot of commonalities that many of us shared in making that transition. So I think it's important to be mindful of what sort of roadblocks you might encounter and what is the strategy for working around some of those roadblocks for yourself. Uh, But there's a lot of great content here. Brent's a really interesting guy, and I hope that you enjoy my conversation with Brent Sapati. Today on the Thrive for the Cause podcast podcast, I'm uh, happy to have my friend Brent Sapati here. We're interviewing a podcaster, so this is Podcasters on Podcasting. Uh, And and the reason why I wanted to share your project and what you guys are doing with the Attitude Check podcast is because I think it fills a very specific need in our demographic, which is the young professional. It's the millennial professional. It's the person who's transitioning from being a student their whole life to working working in their career, building their business, working on you know, getting established in their profession. And I think, like we've talked about before, there's a lot of misconceptions about what that transition looks like. There's a lot of uh, maybe entitlement about what you should expect as a new uh, professional in the workforce. And so those are the kind of things that you guys are addressing with your guests on your podcast. And so I think it's going to be an interesting conversation because we both kind of live maybe at different points in that timeline, but we're both very much sort of in that same, you know, part of our life. So I think there's a specific need for that in Colorado Springs because this is such a small business community. And there are such passionate young entrepreneurial um, millennials and young professionals that really want to make a difference and they really want to kind of find their place in the community uh, and are just going through the growing pains of navigating all that. So with that in mind, Brent, go ahead and introduce yourself. You know, Let us know how you got to Colorado Springs, what your sort of educational background is in, and what you're working on right now in terms of uh, your career.
1: Definitely. And first of all, I'd just like to say uh, thank you, John, for inviting me onto your podcast. It's really interesting because uh, this is my first time being a guest on a different one, so it's kind of fun to be on the opposite end of the microphone, so to speak. But um, basically, my name is Brent Spotty. I'm a co-host on Attitude Check, the business leadership podcast, and uh, I'm not a Colorado native. I was born and raised in Hawaii on the island of Oahu, and I moved around a little bit during my childhood. My stepdad was in the Navy, so I was a military brat, so I've lived in Japan for a few years. I've lived in California, and ultimately, I started to go to school, um, go to college in Hawaii, And I really wanted to explore the wider world out there, because while Hawaii is home, you know, after a while, you can only go to the same places so many times and be entertained. Um, But originally, I was supposed to transfer to UNLV. I was accepted there and was planning to go there uh, in the fall semester. And I came out to visit my mom and stepdad here in Colorado Springs just for the summer uh, to see what was going on. And, you know, I stepped off the plane, drove down to the springs, took one look at Pike's Peak and like, well this looks really cool. So I think I'm going to move here now. So I ended up applying within that same summer uh, to UCCS, got accepted and just decided to move out here instead. So um, graduated from UCCS with a degree in marketing and decided to stay because honestly, I just love Colorado. Like I said, I've done a decent bit of traveling, Um, not really anywhere else that I've seen this kind of environment, this kind of community. And it really, uh, you know, welcoming when I first came here. So that's why I want to stay. I want to give back to this community and I want to grow with it. Um, Like I mentioned, I got a degree in marketing from UCCS, um, but right now I'm actually working in finance for my day job. So that transition was kind of interesting. Um, About halfway through my college career, I knew I wanted to work in finance, uh, but for the particular job I wanted to do, I knew that overall my specific emphasis in my degree wasn't going to affect it too much so i just decided to stick with the marketing path not add on another you know couple semesters to my degree program so uh, give you a little bit more information on the podcast it basically started when uh, a friend from college john mark and i uh, were having coffee i had just recently graduated he was about to graduate and we we're just talking about things you know what's that transition going to look like what are we going to do afterwards um you know who else do we know that's graduating and we realized that there's a lot of uh, people in college who have just this wrong expectation on what's going to happen once they're graduated. Um, I think society as a whole in the current educational system, they kind of have that you know carrot on the end of a stick, saying, "Hey, just make it through high school, it'll get you into a good college. Make it through college, you'll get a good job out of it." Um, and so they're given this promise of, "I just need to get my four-year degree, and everything's going to be you know perfect. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to make so much money," when in reality, as many people realize, that's not the case. So, uh, the podcast is really just geared towards interviewing uh, people who've had success in their own fields and business and leadership, and getting their perspective on, uh, you know, how do you how do you make that journey? How do you make it as smooth as possible? And what should you expect? So, you know, mentorship played a huge role in our lives, and we just want to have those conversations that many young people should be having but aren't.
0: Yeah, I think, I think what you said is so true because, and this is true for graduate school too, so I did the same thing going through, I started off my educational career at a community college and thought, okay, surely at the next level they're going to prepare me a little bit more. So I transferred and got my bachelor's degree and thought, okay, well, when I get to practice college, that's a doctorate program, like surely they're going to prepare me there. And you get through this whole process and you kind of notice that trend of the carrot on the stick like you're talking about where it's almost like at each level they're just trying to get you to the next level and at some point you're just kind of uh you know you just step off that train and you're in the real world and everybody else you know the employers the uh have a certain expectation about what was accomplished during that journey of your education Uh, and that's not always the case right and so you hear these kind of conversations uh, how do I motivate my millennial employees, how do I get them to work, how do I, and I think a lot of the confusion and frustration is just because expectations, Uh, and expectation management I think is so important. So what are the kinds of things that specifically you guys have identified as maybe some of that misconception, the misinformation, the attitudes, or the perspectives that are just you know, maybe not unhealthy, but just inaccurate when you're talking with your peers and folks that are kind of making that transition?
1: I think the biggest one overall is that the four-year degree is all you need to get the job that you actually want. Um, I think that was obviously true, you know, maybe 20, 30 years ago, uh, where four-year degree, there's less people going to universities. Uh, It held a little bit more weight, but now, you know, everyone and their cat has a bachelor's degree, basically. So the bachelor's degree is the new baseline for a lot of employers. So if that's all you're leaning on, you have to think that basically you're fighting from baseline. You, you know, if you want that job that's really you know appealing, that a lot of people are going after, what else can you offer the employer? Because it's not you know a one-way street. You have to offer value to them. They have have to offer value to you. So I think the biggest thing is that people don't start thinking about what they want to do early enough. They'll be in college. They'll start looking at internships and jobs two, three months before they graduate, which is really not enough time to test the waters to see what you'd like, what you don't like. So I think the biggest thing that people can improve on is just saying, hey, even if I'm a freshman, I know that it might be hard to get an internship my first year in college but i should at least talk to the hiring managers you know get my name out there uh, you know see what's out there in the whole scope of things because the earlier you can start uh, the better off you'll be in the end and i think that's somewhere where universities can actually improve as well is most employers still come to a college campus you know i got all of my internship and job opportunities through uh, my colleges so i think universities could put in a little bit more effort to have some, you know, experience or some internship opportunities available for those freshman, sophomore level college students to really, you know, push that need of, if you're going to come out of college, not only with your degree, but with a promising job opportunity, you need to start early. You can't just hope that, you know, your grades are going to pull through for you.
0: Yeah, and ultimately being your own advocate is something that I think we take for granted in going through that process. That certainly was my my experience. I kind of figured at some point someone was going to make sure that I knew I was doing all the things I needed to do, whether it was a guidance counselor or a you know faculty advisor or whoever it is, there's kind of this this idea that you know eventually someone's going to lay out the path for me and I think that in an internship that I had um, as an undergrad, that became evident that that's not the case have to be your own advocate. You have to kind of like you're saying kind of cast a vision for your life and your career even if you don't know exactly what that's going to look like. At least at whatever phase you can wrap your head around, um got to be your own advocate for building the parallel curriculum that goes around your schoolwork that's going to put you in a position to succeed. I mean all you can really do is stack the deck in your favor, right? There's a million things that you can't control when you're sort of making that transition. And and those aren't really the things to worry about in my mind. But a mentor of mine you know, made, made the point that you're going to have to create parallel curriculum for yourself. If you're going to want to be a small business owner, you're not going to learn how to do that in chiropractic college. So if you want to take it to that next level and say, okay, well, I'm going to do that on top of wearing a small business owner hat or an entrepreneur's hat, which involves a whole skill set that is new. It's a language that's new. It's all these different things. You're going to make it a lot more challenging for yourself if there's not some legwork on your part on the front end. And I think entrepreneurship is really sexy right now. You know, it seems like uh, with the internet and all these kinds of platforms, it's it's relatively accessible. It's not easy, but it's accessible to put yourself on a path of entrepreneurship and say, hey, I've got this idea and I'm going to pursue it or I've seen someone else do something similar and I'm gonna pursue it but as you know the reality is there's a million other things that go on behind the scenes that you may or may not be prepared for or equipped for so um, I think that's that's a point well made and I think it's one that the listeners especially if you fall into this kind of demographic like if this is your experience right now and you're thinking god what's next you know what am I going to do after school where these are things you should be thinking about sooner than later. And I think it's easy in college to kind of waste time. You know, I think think back to my college, you know, there's no reason I shouldn't have had a 4.0 and been able to make some money and to, you know, do other things now with with what you're truly capable of when you have to be. I think college is one of those times where you should really start to push your boundaries of understanding, like, what can I actually handle? What can I actually do? How productive can I be, and you know what? What do I have in me that I'm going to be able to draw from at this next level? That's all stuff that, in hindsight, is 2020. Um, but you know, all those types of things, you know, take our word for it. If you're in that phase of life right now, explore some of that because it's only going to serve you, no matter what you want to do, um, or at least put you ahead. Because, like you said, the baseline of having that diploma doesn't mean as much as it used to, and by the way, it costs way more than it used to. So you're already up against certain challenges with that. So it's it's important to, uh, I guess the main takeaway from this rant is to be your own advocate and understand that nobody else is going to put you on the path of your best life uh, other than yourself. And, and nobody does anything alone. I mean, I've had a lot of support, and I've had a lot of mentorship, and I've had a lot of help. Um, but ultimately, you need to put yourself in a position to receive that as well. So do um, you have any thoughts on that line of thinking, and, and has that been similar to your experience?
1: I mean, absolutely. I, I really love that point of being your own advocate. I think having an advocate, whether it's yourself or a mentor, is just a huge way to get ahead. And I think there's such an understated opportunity for people who are going to school in small to mid-sized colleges. Now, unless you're going to, you know, some Ivy League school or there's this opportunity there that a lot of people aren't taking advantage of. So for my own experience, you know, I went to UCCS. I think there's about 12,000 students there. Um, Colorado Springs is, you know, a relatively smaller city. It's growing, but it still has that small-town community feel. Um, and just being able to take advantage of just showing up. You know, I told a lot of people who were... Uh, you know, I was in college and in class with that, you know, the average is just, you know, down here. And to, to be above average, it just takes just a little bit more effort. So you know, for example, like I said, I was a, a marketing major. Um, I had a really big interest in finance. I did my own personal uh, investing and things like that throughout college. So, you know, one day I just decided to show up to the finance club and it just kept coming back, kept coming back. And eventually towards the end of the year, um, you know, the current president was graduating and he's like, hey, Brent, do you want to be president of the finance club next year? I'm like, you know, I'm not a finance major, right? So it's like, well, you, you know, you show up consistently, you know, you always participate. So that's just, you know, one example of how if you just put yourself out there a little bit, just literally, just show up to things, um, you have this opportunity uh, to you know get some things that will help give you experience, build your resume, and you know leverage that to the fullest extent that you can. As a college student, there are so many entrepreneurs and business owners and business leaders who are willing to give back, take the time to talk with you, give you experience if you just ask. So there's been so many times where I just you know went out into the community saying, hey, uh, sent a cold email or just knocked on a door. and was like, hey, I'm the president of the finance club at UCCS. Can I talk to you? you know I'd really like to get your feedback on some things. And I've never had someone say, tell me flat out no. So if you're a college student, people want to help young people. So take advantage of that. Just go out there, ask. No one's going to judge you for it.
0: If nothing else, it's an ego boost, right? Everybody loves to be asked for help, right? It puts you in a position to give your fellow man a leg up. So it feels good. People like to you know, be able to give something back. Have you always been the kind of person who would just do that kind of thing? Like you would just show up or just sort of notice an opportunity and go after it? And, and have you always been motivated to kind of like put yourself out there that way?
1: Um, that's kind of a, a, almost a double-edged sword kind of question for me because um, I feel like I've always been able to kind of see opportunities and things fairly well. But I'm... I'm honestly a pretty big introvert. I had to really develop, you know, the ability to go out there and talk to people. Uh, I think it was kind of brought into me. Um, growing up, my, my dad would always force me to go to just talk to people randomly and do stuff. So um, I think the more you expose yourself to things that make you uncomfortable, the better you get at it. So yeah, honestly, I'm, I'm an introvert. So going to social events, going to networking, talking to a stranger, like, gives me anxiety. (laughs) So, you know, you don't have to be this type A outgoing personality to do it. Um, You know, cold email people. Just say, hey, this is what I'm doing. I'd love to get your feedback. Maybe we could grab some coffee. And just, you know, even if you're not good at having conversations right off the bat, write down five questions and, you know, say, hey, these are the five questions that I want to ask you. You know, I'm only going to take 15 minutes of your time. And, you know, if we go a little bit past that, I might have a couple extra questions based on what you tell me. And just start the dialogue that way. Start with something you're comfortable with and slowly, incrementally move into something, uh, you know, that's more conversational, that can give you more of that face-to-face connection and build those relationships to help you out in the future. But, yeah, ultimately, I think, you know, the more you can put yourself in uncomfortable situations the more you'll grow and the more opportunity there'll be. So have you seen the movie uh, Yes Man with uh, Jim Carrey? Yeah, yeah. You know, obviously, it's a really ridiculous example of that. But you know, sometimes you just have to think back, especially for you introverts out there and say, am I saying no, because I think it's a bad idea, and I don't really want to? Or am I just saying no, because I feel like it might be just a pain, and I don't feel like dealing with that right now. And if it's the latter, just force yourself to go out there. Even if it's you know, I'm going to show up for 15 minutes, something happens, and it happens. If not, at least I showed up, you know.
0: And I think the assumption that other people don't feel that way in the same scenario is just false. Because I remember, I mean, developing these soft skills that you're talking about, like let's just take networking, for example. If you go to, let's just say the Chamber of Commerce after hours network, networking event, there's going to be a certain percentage of people in the room that just, that comes more naturally to them, right? They're they love to work a room. They love to mix and mingle. They're extroverted that way. It gives them energy. But I'd be willing to bet that 90% of those people in there are feeling exactly the same way you do, which is like, oh my God, what am I going to say when someone asks me what my business is? You know, I don't know anybody here. Everybody looks like they know somebody else. I mean, all these different things that go through your head, everybody else is feeling the exact same way. So I think sometimes we tell ourselves these stories or make assumptions about situations and put ourselves outside of, quote, the group. And it's just not true. And I remember, I brought up the chamber as a a reference because I remember being at a chamber event and having that same sort of experience and I just left early. Like I didn't even really meet anybody. I didn't really even network. I was just there and I was intimidated and I thought, man, these people have something that I don't have. They have some sort of skill that makes it or personality trait that makes this easier for them. And I just don't have it. And you can come up with a million excuses. I'm introverted or I'm this or I'm that you know, at the end of the day, are you really um, less equipped than the next person? And, and nine times out of 10, the answer is no for that kind of thing. Um, so to your point, what I did was, you know, force myself to routinely be in those types of scenarios. And one day it clicked, I had this realization, everybody here is uncomfortable. Nobody wants to stand up and tell 80 people in 60 seconds, hey, this is me and this is my business and this is why I'm valuable. And you watch the fear on people's face and you watch them fumble over their words and, you know, you realize, hey, we're all in the same boat. That was incredibly freeing for me. I'm like, hey, there's actually no judgment here. Nobody is worried about me at all. They're worried about themselves and how they look. Nobody's even given a second thought to, like, how I appear. Um, so with that in mind, it, it really freed me up to explore some of those skills. But you do have to develop them and you won't if you don't put yourself in the situation. And so um, networking is something that I've grown to enjoy just because it's not about trying to sell people, right? It's not about trying to close a deal. It's not about trying to, you know, mine for prospects or, you know, other kind of thing. It's just connecting with people. And as a chiropractor, I work with people. When you're working with, you know, folks on their finances, that's people, right? Like your business is in a relationship. And so you know, it takes some of the pressure off of feeling like I need to get something out of this, and you can just open yourself up to being a little bit more available for connection. And people notice authenticity. So if you can, uh, if you can work on, you know, those types of things, let's say in a networking scenario, it's only going to return, you know, in so many ways: public speaking, uh, professionalism, body language, reading a room, how to understand if if your communication is effective or not. I mean, there's so many things that you can use those types of situations as sort of testing for. Um, And if you want to be an entrepreneur and if you have a vision of doing something meaningful at some point, at many points, you're going to have to be in positions that you're uncomfortable with and you're going to be in positions where you're not the strongest. But I think there's, there's opportunities to go outside of your world, which would be the UCCS campus, right? And say, hey, out there in Colorado Springs are people that are doing What I want to do, doing it successfully, doing it not so successfully, but it's out there. And I can go put myself in that mix even early on and just get a flavor for it, get a taste and figure out what what it's actually like compared to what we see in the classroom. Because a lot of times there's just a huge disconnect between academia and the reality of doing the thing that you end up doing, whether it's finance, whether it's something in healthcare. I think across the board that probably applies.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. And you see that, you know, with the different people I've talked to, especially surprisingly in the engineering field, that's a pretty common thing. And, you know, most people think, oh, I'm an engineer. I don't really need to go network. It doesn't really have value for me. But there's a surprising number of events geared towards networking for engineers. You know, happy hours are a huge one. There's different associations and groups you can join uh, to learn more about the industry. And I think especially in Colorado Springs to where the defense industry is such a big part of it, um, most of the engineers who come here or who graduate from here are going to find a job in either some sort of mechanical or aerospace or systems engineering. So anything related around the defense industry. And you see a lot of those people after a few years, you know, they're making great money. um, But at the end of the day, like, okay, I did this for a little while, but I think I want to move into some other you know, specific uh, part of engineering. So maybe go into you know bioengineering, or uh, go into medical devices, or you know just little things like that. So I think it really goes across the board, no matter what industry you're in, to just get out there and see you know what other opportunities do I have, uh, who can I connect with, who can I learn from? Because at the end of the day, sure, you know maybe you've been in this job for three years or so, you want to make a switch. Do you really want to take the extra time to start networking then or to start building those connections? Or would you rather be able to say, hey, I know a buddy who works at this cool medical device company. I'm going to call him up and see if they have any job openings and I'm going to make that switch there. You know, that makes it so much easier. It's such a better way to do it because who wants to spend hours getting, you know, those rejection emails from applying to a monster or Indeed and things like that. So obviously this doesn't go across the board apples to apples for every single person you know um, the medical field you folks obviously have a very busy schedule and curriculum so it's a little bit harder to get out there and network when you're working you know how many hours a week Uh, but I think it it holds true for really anyone just make those connections because at the end of the day knowing people really never hurt anybody
0: no and it's kind of interesting you know I find that like in my in my field, for example, there aren't as many uh, folks out and about that are educating the community. And I think that uh, part of what my mission is with my practice and my position within the community is to educate uh, folks in Colorado Springs about how to just live well. And there's, there's so much of that that goes beyond me being able to treat them in the clinic or take care of them here. Uh, and, and what I find is when I'm out and about and just meeting and connecting with people, They have questions, you know, they have concerns, they hear things, they want, you know, for lack of a better word, an expert opinion on it, and you can be valuable to people that you never do business with, and that just comes back around, and it's amazing who you meet sometimes and the connections that get made, and I don't care who anybody is, at the end of the day, your word of mouth reputation still matters people play favorites, right? So the person that they know, the person that they see consistently, the person they've had a good interaction with is going to have a leg up over someone who may even be more qualified, but they just don't know. Uh, and I think that's definitely true in Colorado Springs because like you said earlier, there's, it's, a weird, it's a weird place where there's a small town feel, especially in the small business community, but we're sort of growing into this identity as a you know, formidable city in its own right. Uh, So, in the tension of those growing pains, I think uh, the things that you're saying, which is, I guess for lack of a better word, personal branding, that stuff really goes a long way and it can serve you at any point in your career. The timelines get fuzzy. You never know when you're going to need to leverage some of those relationships or when you're going to need to lean on your network of people. Things happen in careers, things happen in business and life, and you don't always have every duck in the row, you know, to be able to make the next career move. And I've certainly seen this in folks, you know, just out networking where it's like they're out and about and they're, you know, working a business development for this company and something happens and they either quit or lose their job. And because they've been out and because they have built relationships, they can pivot to another opportunity. People rally to help them because they know, like, and trust them. And that's something that you just never know when you're going to need to lean on or when you're going to be able to meet a need for another person that way. So I think uh, you're right. You really can't start too soon. And at the end of the day, we all go to social functions every now and then, right? Like you go to a family picnic with some people you don't really know that well, or you go to a church softball game or, you know, whatever stuff comes up, being able to converse, you know, and to mix and mingle is just uh, something that's never going to go out of style. So, and we've kind of been talking a lot about networking, which is, Um, when you have more time than money and when you have more uh, time than clients, I mean, it's just you have to get out of your office, of your little sphere and meet people. At some point, it just becomes, you know, a matter of how many face-to-face interactions can you have and how many people can you make a connection with. So is there anything else that you want to add on the bit about networking before we kind of move on to some other topics?
1: Yeah, definitely. I really like um, that idea where you said, you know, when you have more time than money, I think that really hits home for a lot of people who attend, you know, networking events uh, consistently. Not necessarily saying that they're not doing well in business, but you know, it's a part of their business. They have to build uh, their client base. They have to uh, put their services out there to the community to, you know, have that sustainability. And I think for especially those young people out there, it's a really hard concept to internalize and to practice. Uh, you know, I'm not saying I mastered it, but when it comes to networking. I think the biggest thing is just go out there and first seek to add value. You know, there's a concept in relationships, whether it's significant other personal relationships, business relationships, it's the concept of zero and 100. So most people think when you have a relationship, it's a 50-50 thing, right? You give some, the other person gives some, it combines to be 100%. But when you have that 50-50 mentality, what you're actually doing is just keeping score. You're saying, I'm putting in my 50 that other person's putting in 45, you know, what's the deal? Why aren't you giving me the full 50? And you start holding resentment, you start getting disappointed. But if you can go into a networking situation or a relationship with no expectations, saying, I'm going to give 100%, I'm seeking to add value, I expect nothing in return, that's when you see those returns start coming in, in you know, tenfold. So I think it's just a really important factor to think about. When you go out there, uh, no, just try to add value, even if the person you're talking to they can't do anything with the service you provide. You know, there's going to be those times to where it's like, yeah, literally, there's no business opportunity here. But I'm still talking to you. You know, be a connector of people, be a connector of ideas. You probably know someone that can help them. They probably know someone who can help you. So it's not a you know a fifty-fifty trade quid pro quo quid pro quo this for that. Um, it's just add value, and that's your your main focus. And I know that's you know preaching from from, uh, you know, on top of the soapbox there, but it's it's something I'm trying to practice in my daily life and I see people who are very successful who are very good at this concept. And
0: I think another point to consider when you're out there because it's easy to feel like, man, I'm in a room full of 40 and 50-year-old people and, you know, they've been doing this for so long. Really think about that point, right? So if you're 26 years old and you're networking with people that are, you know, 30 years, you're a senior, you've got a 30 year head start. I remember being at a chamber event, looking around and thinking like, these people are all here to develop their business as well. And I've got 20 extra years ahead of them to work on it. I mean, that's a huge opportunity. I think a lot of times you might look at that as a weakness, but in the grand scheme of things, you're like, I'm the guy in the room with the most potential upside here. I'm the guy that has the most room to gain. And I've got uh, so much value to bring for that. Um, And I think there's also this lie that you can fall into, which is, well, these people are more experienced than me. That makes them better than me. And I think there's a distinction to make between being experienced and being effective. It's just understanding that just because someone has a certain amount of experience doesn't mean that you don't have a viable seat at the table as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there are going to be those times to where you just come across someone and you just don't you guys, you know, clash with ideas. Like you said, maybe it's someone who has a very, uh, you know, old school method of thinking, and they're just never going to listen to the young upstart, you know, whippersnapper kind of deal. So with those, you just, you know, try to take it gracefully. Realize that not every uh, person you talk to, something's going to arise from it, and you just, you know, move on. Have no expectations on what this person can provide. You know, use, like you said, use your youth as an advantage. You know, the older person in the room. He's probably talking to the same people he's talked to for you know however many years. Find the person who looks like they're new too, and who's sitting alone at the table, and go talk to him because, you know, that's when you can get into those early relationships. That's really when you can grow and develop together, and that's when you see those lifelong friendships and relationships uh, blossom.
0: Yeah, taking the long view is important. I think it's too easy to get caught up in the transactional sort of mentality which is what where's the business opportunity here for me on the short term but yeah relationships are just not something that are developed and refined and you know enriched on a short period of time so yeah you I mean it could be as easy as going up to someone else that looks to be about your age and saying man this networking this is weird <laughs> you know I feel so uncomfortable and just breaks the ice in a way that you instantly form a connection so that's awesome advice. I mean, I, I really hope that if, if people are in sort of that phase of their life and career and are sort of thinking about making that next step, I mean, take it from us, we've been doing this not forever, but these are some of those speed bumps that we've run into kind of making that transition. So I'm a big fan of learning from other people's experiences and mistakes. So I think that's uh, that's that's good value to take to the bank and, and to act on. So with your podcast project, what was the motivation behind the Attitude Check podcast? I know you kind of introduced it in the beginning there, but taking on sort of a whole other set of skills and trying to produce content that adds value, what's been some of the coolest parts of that journey as you and your partner have kind of got the Attitude Check podcast rolling?
1: So I think there's a couple key parts that were really exciting for the both of us. Um, one, you know, the reason why we chose this medium, you know, podcasting versus making, you know, like a blog or writing a blog or anything in between is because we were both big fans of podcasts in general. So it was really interesting to, when we recorded our first episode, to just look back and be like, hey, where... On the opposite end of this now, we're producing podcasts, we're not just listening to it. So it's really cool to see all the little bits and pieces that go into the production of podcasting that you might not think about on a day-to-day basis. And I think that holds true for really anything, whether you're a fan of movies, music, whatever. Um, you know, When you actually do it, you get a better appreciation of how it's done and what goes into it. So that was one cool aspect, just seeing the back end of it. The other cool aspect of it that we're still going through, you know, as we uh, grow, as we release more episodes is just the entrepreneurial side of it. So it's something I've always wanted to do is, you know, build a a brand, a business, something that I can put my name on. So it's been a really fun ride to think of all of the different things. You know, how do we market this? What kind of content should we put out? Who's... uh, Who's going to be the most interesting guest for our listeners what are the listeners what's our target audience and just taking all those factors into consideration but i think the best part honestly of my podcast is just being able to talk to interesting people like one it's really refreshing to realize same thing no one has turned us down and being like hey do you want to be on our podcast no one has said no which is great, and it uh, really gives you faith in humanity that people are generous and people care, so just awesome being able to talk to interesting people. Um, one of the episodes we recorded that should be released pretty soon, um, our guest was telling us how, you know, when she was younger, her and her husband, they did this traveling live performance of walking with dinosaurs with all these big, you know, animatronics on stages in, like, South America and everything, and Walking down the street, you'd never realize that she does something like this, or you—you, where else would you have the opportunity to have a conversation with people who have these types of life experiences? And I'm a big fan of stories, I'm a big fan of learning from other people, so just being able to talk to different people from all walks of life has really been the kind of shining star of doing this process.
0: I agree with you 100%. I've gotten way more out of the episodes that I've done than probably my guests or anybody who's ever listened to them, and I think... There's a reason why I like to do them in person. I think there's a lot of different ways that you can accomplish that conversation. and But I love to do it in person because it's just a different conversation, you know. And I think uh, everything you're saying is so true. And that it does hold true for, for like you're saying, every other area of life. When you kind of get a peek behind the curtain and understand that it's not this thing that's unapproachable. Anybody, anybody can throw that in the ring and try it out. And uh, have a lot of fun with it. And at the end of the day, if it's just fun and you learn a ton, it's, uh, you know, it's awesome. Um, what podcast do you listen to? What, are you, what sort of content are you consuming that uh, you'd like to share with the audience?
1: So there's a couple different ones that I listen to. Um, I kind of divide them between uh, kind of learning and personal development versus just pure entertainment. Um, so I guess I should start off with the very first podcast I listened to that kind of you know, sent me down this rabbit hole. Uh, which was the Joe Rogan experience. So, it's he has a very unique style of podcasting. It's you know, there, there's no filter there. It's you know, whatever happens happens. Uh, sometimes it's like really mellow and modest and and just very serious. Other times, you know, people are drunk, people are high, people are going crazy. So, um, you never know what you're going to expect. But the my favorite part about it is it's just long form. You know, most of his podcasts are three hours long which for a lot of people is way too long, but wish I had some statistic to see how many hours of Joe Rogan podcast I've listened to because I've been listening to him since, I want to say, my junior year of high school. So it's been a long time. Um, But really, that kind of inspired me to take a look at podcasting just because the different types of guests he has on was really interesting. You know, he's had theoretical physicists, he's had professional fighters, stand-up comedians. Actors, you know, anything under the sun, you name it. And it really showed me what a podcast can be, you know, what's the potential for that. But some of the other podcasts I listen to on the entertainment side uh, would be the Fighter and the Kid podcast. Um, it's a professional fighter and a stand up comedian, they come together. Um, the more businessy podcasts I listen to frequently, uh, the three that stand out would be the Gary Vee podcast. I'm a big fan of Gary Vaynerchuk, I've been listening to a lot of his things. Um, Tim Ferriss I'm a big fan of Tim Ferriss as well he has a great podcast and the last is a bit more technical and financey so most people probably won't enjoy it but it's called um, Masters in Business by Bloomberg where he just interviews uh, people who have experience in the finance field and investing that sort of thing so um, you know whatever you're interested in there's you know different demographics that apply to it which is probably one of the best thing about podcasting.
0: Yeah, I agree, and I think your point about the Joe Rogan experience is that people are interesting, you know? like That's why I started this podcast is because I would meet these folks in Colorado Springs that, let's take Frank, Frank Sinclair, for example. I had him uh, on my show, and if you met him at a networking event, he's at all of them. You know Frank works for Elite Roofing, you know, one of Inc. 500's top roofing companies, and he has this whole thing. But what you don't know about Frank is that he was one of the youngest – I forget the exact rank, Uh, you know, in the Air Force as an African-American male, you know, in a time where that wasn't the norm. Uh, And then he lived on the streets in Colorado Springs and was homeless and slept under a bench in Acacia Park and got a hand uh, from someone who just noticed him and changed his life. He has this amazing story. And like you're saying, you never know when you meet someone what their deal is, like the guest you just talked about. So so people are interesting, and it's funny that long-form interviews and things like that are so interesting to people because we live in a day and age where I think people are desperate for connection and are desperate for some sort of common ground, you know, whether it's a struggle or whether it's a, some sort of interest or victory or thing like that. So you can provide that opportunity for people by just hitting record and having really interesting conversations. I agree. I think it's an awesome platform. I think because it's, you know, there's a low barrier to entry. There's no reason why you shouldn't share your message and your perspective uh, with the world. And so practicing what you preach, which is also consuming that kind of content, just helps you to develop your sort of interview style and your sound and your culture around your project as well. And who knows? I mean, I think you guys will probably have this experience if you get to episode 100 it's going to be a different type of animal than it was at episode five, right? And so it'll kind of take on a life of its own. Start to wrap up here, but I have a few other questions. Um, If anybody follows Brent on social media, you'll see that he frequently posts these screenshots of how many days you have left to live. So describe uh, that to people, why that's important to you, and how you use that on a day-to-day basis to uh, kind of make your life a little better.
1: So this idea came around, I was up, I don't know, it was probably 1 a.m. in the morning. I was reading this book. Um, is actually one of Tim Ferriss' books. And he was interviewing, he was talking to this person who just talked about, you know, how many days are you, do you have left alive? How many more hours do you have left uh, spending time with, you know, your parents, your grandparents, et cetera? And I think there was a statistic saying, you know, by the time you graduate high school, You've already spent like, I think it was something like 60% of the time with your parents that you'll ever spend. And when you break it down like that, it's kind of terrifying, to be honest. So I just, this idea kept going around and around in my head. And eventually, I just kind of Googled um, an actuarial table, which basically, you know, it's the science of life expectancy. And it breaks down how long they expect you to live. They said, when I hit 90, I have like a 50-50 chance of whether I'm going to be, you know, alive or not. And like, "Ah, that's probably a good place to stop it. But basically, I got that number, converted it into days, and just set, you know, this app, this widget on my home screen for my phone. And every day, you know, it takes down one less day. And right now, I'm a little bit over 24,000 days left, which is still a decent amount of time. But <laughs> when you think about just days left, it, it's like, well, that's a lot, but not really. Right. Um, and I think the biggest way I've been using it is just to be intentional about what I do every day. You know, intentionality is a, is a huge factor uh, that a lot of people don't think about. They get into, you know, the hamster wheel of just spinning their wheels, going around in circles doing the daily grind. Uh, but it just makes me think about every morning, um, you know what what am I doing today am I doing something that I enjoy am I doing something that makes me better am I appreciating the time I have with the people I care about am I being grateful for the things I have and you know the, the social media posting it every day one maybe it's me being vain and uh, I've had mixed responses to posting that but at the end of the day me posting it to social media keeps me accountable it makes me uh, think okay, I'm posting it. I actually have to think of something. I can't, you know, skip it because I'm busy. Um, so it holds me accountable to to follow through with it. And yeah, so far the responses have either been, "This is the best thing I've ever seen. Why haven't I started this? Why haven't I thought of this before?" Or, "Wow, well, this is this is really dark. And are you okay? Like, <laughs> why are you counting down the days till you know you have left alive?" But. Yeah, we'll we'll see. It's it's a really interesting concept, and you know, hopefully, I'll be able to to carry forward with it. I'm not gonna lie; it's not easy to think of something new every day uh, to try and be intentional with, but it's been a fun experience so far.
0: Yeah, I think it's awesome. I I see it, and it always kind of makes me pause and reflect on everything you're saying, which is, man, it is so easy to just get buried in tasks and things that you need, you think you need to do, or. Um, you know, places that you want to go and just, you know, it's easy to get stuck in the clouds, right? Especially when you're early in your career and you're, you're just trying to cast a vision for your life. Um, and I think that, you know, that present time consciousness and that intentionality that you're mentioning, that's kind of what all that's about, right? Is like enjoying your time here and contributing something and, and making each day a win. And I think if you stack up enough of those, you're going to put yourself in a position to have a really good life. So it's a it's a good reminder. It's probably one that a lot of people wouldn't want to you know consistently have on their home screen, but it's not gonna you know it's only gonna enrich your experience and you know keep keep you on track with what really matters. And I don't think anything that does that is a bad thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And just kind of a you know when I post those, I have two hashtags that I do. Just I thought it was a fun thing to do. Um, the first one I put is the final countdown. It just brought a smile to my face because every time I do that now, the song pops into my head. My my mother is not a big fan of that one. Uh, but the second one, it was actually a little bit more dark than I thought. Um, Memento Mori, uh, which is Latin. And when I first heard of the concept, they just explained it as, you know, it's being a conscious that you, you know, mortal person, that you only have a finite amount of time. But when you get down to the literal translation, apparently, apparently it means... Uh, remember, you're going to die or something like that. I'm like, that's a little bit darker than I intended to, but, you know, I, I guess it works. So, um, you know, it's if you think this is an interesting concept, maybe try it for a week and see, you know, how it changes your way of thinking. Or, you know, just have fun with it. It's not meant to be a super serious thing. It's meant to, you know, bring you joy in your life and make you grateful for things. So just have fun with it. Don't take it too seriously and don't freak out about how many days you have left.
0: Yeah, it'd be really cool to see if you like live to be ninety one. Like at some point, you get to day zero. Oh, yeah. and you keep living, and you're like, what do I do now? Just as we're wrapping up, I want to give the listeners an idea of your Colorado Springs experience. I think we all kind of, uh, you know, have our own perspective of what it's like to live and work here. Uh, do you have a favorite Colorado Springs establishment or a place that you like to go for meetings or to have, uh, you know, to relax after work for happy hour or something like that?
1: Ooh, that is a really great question. Um, I think as far as my favorite kind of casual place to take people, you know, any anybody, people coming out of state, um, you know, dates, friends, whoever, uh, it would probably be um, Sopra's Wine Bar in old Colorado City. So most people, I think, know of the downstairs, which is uh, Paravicini's, the Italian restaurant, great Italian food, some of the best I've had, honestly. Um, but upstairs they have like a kind of wine bar lounge thing and they have outdoor patio to where you have a nice view of Pikes Peak. So when the weather's nice, it's awesome to just get out there, uh, you know, get a drink, order some food uh, and just relax and talk to people. Um, but as far as like more of a true, uh, Colorado Springs experience, you know, just hit some of the trails. Honestly, they're, they're different than anywhere else you'll find. And I think if you're really trying to just get that Colorado Springs experience, um, connect with someone, just be like, hey, do you want to go on a hike? There's so many out there. You can do a new one probably every day of the year. So why not take advantage of that?
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And speaking of networking, I've actually heard of folks that will schedule sort of networking type meetings just on a hike just to make it more approachable and more fun and not seem so stuffy. So there's a million ways you can get creative with that kind of stuff. But, uh, I, you know, I agree. And I know you like to throw a line out there, too, and do some fishing. So do you have a favorite uh, fishing hole that you want to share? Is, oh. that, is that too big of a secret?
1: Oh, no, not at all. Um, you know, in Colorado Springs, it's it's not really in, you know, the central part of Colorado Springs. But if you're trying to do some fishing out there, um, two of my favorite places are Rampart Reservoir. Um, you know, it's a nice area. Um, but also just going up towards Pikes Peak. Uh, a lot of people don't know if you go up Pikes Peak Highway, there's three reservoirs. Um, there's uh, the South Catamount and the uh, North Catamount reservoirs. So uh, those are really great. There's not too many people out there even on weekends. So even if you're not a big fisherman, you can just walk around the lake and you know, really nice, especially in the summertime. You can hike there in the wintertime when it's completely frozen. Um, so yeah, check it out.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's sometimes I think the thing about fishing is it's just being there, you know, it's just being out on the water where it's quiet. It's, you know, the thrill to catch and all that kind of stuff. But, um, it's a good, it's a good lesson for life and business too. I mean, you're going to, you're going to throw a lot of stuff out there and, uh, you know, you just got to keep after it. What do you think is the most underrated thing about Colorado Springs?
1: I think the most underrated thing about Colorado Springs is definitely the people. That might sound not underrated for the people who are already here, but for those who come in from different states or who visit, um, the first thing I noticed when I visited Colorado Springs before I moved here was just how friendly the people were. You know, I've lived in California, people in LA, you know, sorry if you live in LA, but you guys are kind of mean. Um, You know, Hawaii, people have their own style there too, but it, it literally freaked me out when I first came here just like everyone is smiling at me having a conversation like why are people so nice like what is it something in the air is it the oxygen level or what's happening but um just how warm and welcoming the people are I think that's the biggest thing um unfortunately I think to the outside world Colorado Springs has this you know very kind of old grumpy conservative um you know aura that's hanging over it and I think one obviously that's not completely true you know there's good and bad people no matter where you go but two you know the culture of Colorado Springs is changing and you know there's some new ideas coming in here but overall you know the people are just great
0: i agree 100% and i think that's a huge a huge feather in the cap of the community and obviously like you said there are growing pains but that's true everywhere right and i think that if you are wanting to make a go of things in a, as a small business owner as an entrepreneur community here is very supportive I, I really truly think that people want to see you succeed here and will do what they can to help move you towards that so I'm not sure I've never started a business in another community I don't know if that would be the case somewhere else but I think that that's that been uh really encouraging for me and it's made me want to return the favor and I think that's a positive I think that's a positive so uh Brent I appreciate your time man I think that uh you're on the right track, you know, with what you guys are thinking about, what you're sharing with the community. Um, Check out the podcast if you haven't already, the Attitude Check podcast. You can find it pretty much everywhere that you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, all that sort of thing, Spotify. Check out a few different episodes. Get an idea of the types of guests that they're interviewing, the conversations that they're having. And certainly if you fall into the demographic that we talked a lot about, which is that kind of transitioning student or young professional um, keep these guys on your radar because they're going to be, you know, leaving you pearls of wisdom from their experience in that transition that I think um, matter, you know, and, and it's context that uh, applies to your life. Some of the guys that you mentioned, the, the Gary Vaynerchuk's and the others, they're just at a different place in their career, and sometimes it's hard to apply what they're saying to your season of life and your career. Uh, so, you guys are right in the thick of it, which, you know, cuts through a lot of that translation. I think it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, it's also, you know, Colorado Springs-based. You guys are talking with uh, folks from out of town, I think, occasionally, but mostly Colorado Springs. Yes. Okay. So it's it's again, I like to have you know folks on my podcast that are in Colorado Springs. These are people that you can meet, sit down with, you can have a face-to-face interaction. You guys have already started the conversation with some shared interests, which is this beautiful place that we call home. Uh, so check those guys out. Brent, do you have social media or other things that you'd like to share with the audience so that they can get in touch with you and figure out how many days left you've got to live?
1: <laughs> well, if you want to follow the podcast, we really appreciate any support. Um, you can find us at Attitude Check Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. And if you want to look at my Memento Mori final countdown calendar, uh, my Instagram is Brent Is Brown. Uh, so, you know, feel free to check it out. And if you have any suggestions and ideas on, uh, you know, things I can do every day, that would be super helpful. So feel free to drop me a comment.
0: I'll link all those in the show notes here too. So it'll be easy for folks to go and find those. Any last words of advice or encouragement for the guests before we wrap up here?
1: Um, I think the biggest one is just realize that everything is a process, you know, just, you know, you're gonna have your ups and downs, just manage your expectations and appreciate, you know, the moment. Life is great.
0: That's a perfect note to end on. Thanks, Brent. Thank you so much for your time and attention on this episode of the Thrive for the Cause podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please share it with a friend and subscribe for more episodes in the future. I want to leave you with a quote by Dr. BJ Palmer. You never know how far reaching something you do say or think today can affect the lives of millions tomorrow. I want you to know that you matter to Colorado Springs. So get out there and thrive for the cause.